It's just good to see all of you. Happy Easter. Maybe I should begin by saying once again, he is risen. Christos Anese, for those of you who speak uh, Greek. But if, if Easter morning uh, is the proof of anything, it is primarily, I think, the proofs that death, evil, and misery will not have the last word. Two of you heard that. <laughs> death, evil, and misery will not have the last word. Regardless, that's the truth they're right there. They're told, regardless of what you think about the world we live in, regardless of what news media you kind of listen to or read or whatever, regardless of the situation that you are in right now, we are gathered here this morning to declare and to celebrate that there has come a defeat of evil and misery. That's the very message of this. The resurrected, the resurrected Christ, God's own son, had conquered the death. And that is, for time and eternity, the proof and the sign for all of world history, if you will, that life and love will always conquer death and misery. That's, in a nutshell, what this is about. It's another way, if you will, to say that the power of evil has been broken. It's another way of saying that God has not forsaken nor forgotten, not left his creation that he loves. Can we read uh, about one of the most succinct texts that we have on this whole thing? It summarizes what you can read also in all the Gospels. We read from Mark chapter 15, 16, sorry. Mark chapter 16, and we'll begin in verse 9. If you don't have your, your, your Bible with you, or you just follow along on the screen. If you're home, you're just as welcome. We're happy you're here to worship with us. Please participate as much as you can, both in the prayers and songs, and as you take notes and you listen in on what's going on here. Early on, On that first day of the week, after he had risen, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that uh, he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. After this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on their way into the country. And they went and reported to the rest who did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and the hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Resurrection, if you follow this text, and we're just kind of walking through that this morning, I trust that you will see the power that rise up from these words of description of this event. 
The first thing we notice here in verse 9, of course, is that that resurrection puts to defeat and puts an end, if you will, to the ultimate power of evil. If you uh, think of it just like this, right? You recognize how this comes, the power of resurrection. When you follow and walk with the resurrected one, you're walking in a, in a, you know, in a parade of triumph, if you will. So here's the description. We, we noticed that Friday night, and, and many of you would have read about this also, even on your own, if you're not in the service on Friday night. The very person that violent evil man uh, lacerated by his body on, on Friday, just a couple of days ago, the very person that he mocked both before uh, he was crucified and while he hung on the cross. That, that very person that they, they took down and wrapped like a mummy and they, they put him in the grave and they, they rolled a stone in front of the grave and they guarded that grave. That very person, Jesus, it now says about him that on that first morning, he appeared to Mary. His side had been pierced, his hands had been, been nailed, everything, and yet... He appeared to Mary on that first morning of the first day of the week. It was in the midst, friends, of the deepest despair that anyone could imagine. The followers of Jesus, think about this, right? The very person to whom they have put all their trust, in whom they put all their trust. They knew that he would be the one. That was what their heart told them. And now it seemed like he had been taken out by evil. He was the one that they had seen drive out evil spirits. We even hear about it in this text from Mary. He's the one that they've seen raise people from the dead. But now... When it seemed like all evil in the whole world had kind of come together and thrust itself on him, they had succeeded in crushing him and killing him. It was in the midst of that kind of despair. How do we handle this? And then, right there, at that very moment, resurrection steps forward, if you will. The risen Lord shows up and does away with all evil, like proclaiming out loud. You may thought, you may have thought that you won, but evil will not have the last word. Everything was dark and the resurrection came like an explosion of light. It's such an, an, uh, a revelation, if you will, or release of power that Matthew, when he describes this event, he says it like this. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. And he rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. 
You ever wonder about the power of resurrection? Ever wonder about what this would have been at this time? In one flash of a second, every power of evil heard this announcement that you will not have the final word. Whatever power you may have is under the foot of the resurrected one. You know, there are people that are trying to reduce this whole kind of uh, resurrection thing to some uh, speculations about the mysterious events that were unusual back in the tomb in Israel a long time ago, a couple of millennia ago. Don't do this. You're missing what this is, friends. This was not just that. This was an act of God. When, when Matthew again describes, even at the death of Jesus, there's this release of power. It says about Jesus when he breathed his last breath on the cross, that a curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and rocks split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. That's another way of saying even in the moment of death, new life springs forth. How powerful is this? I'm not one to ask for amens, but sometimes you just wonder, are you listening? (laughs) I mean, this this is incredible when you see the triumph of this. This is life-changing stuff, friends. Yes? You would not have been in the First Baptist Church of Louisville in some little town in another place on the planet that nobody's ever even heard about at that time had it not been for the power of this event. Yes? We're here because of this. New life even in the moment of death. All Frustration, all confusion, all pain is just torn from top to bottom. No more darkness can have an ultimate final say. And that's a word to a world that seems to be wrapped in evil at these times. But it's also a word to you who may feel as if darkness is closing in. From all sides. It will not have. The final word. Notice this. It was exactly when the women came to embalm death. That the resurrected Lord. Appeared. To them. And that's the same way friends. That he wants to appear. To you. Each of you. And all of us. You know, when you desire, and sometimes we do, right? And sometimes we actually do that. We'll just smear some makeup and put some fragrant oils on what is dead in our lives. When that happens and that desire creeps up in your, in your heart and your mind, remember this, that the resurrected one desires to show up in your life and bring life where there used to be death. There is no ultimate evil and darkness. Horror has been turned into hope. Now look, 
as we go on. Even in the next verse, it shows here also that, that the resurrection has defeated uh, sorrow of the deepest kind. If, if you ever imagine that you have been sorrow-filled, and, and most of us have at, at various times, but if you've ever been at the place where you thought, there is no end to the depth of my sorrow, no limits anywhere. If that's your experience or has been or maybe is at the moment, maybe it's why you're at home at this moment. The disciples had the worst. Just think of this. The very person that they loved more than anything had gone. They had lost faith not only in life as it was, but life as they thought it would be. The one that they had left everything to find. They left their home. They left their jobs. They left their family. They left whatever they had to find this one. And now, now he was gone. At all levels, darkness was closing in. The very thing that had given life meaning and value and purpose was ripped away from under them. No well-meaning remark, no clap on the shoulder and say, you know, be strong, get through it, there's light on the other side of the tunnel and, and all that stuff that people sometimes can say would help nothing. Their sorrow was so deep that they could see nothing but darkness. But he again, notice this, friends. It was right there in the midst of this deep sorrow, a sorrow that only those who have, have known the depression in the, of the darkest kind can even get a glimmer of. It's that moment when that hit them all. That the message of resurrection, new life, new hope, new joy steps in. Resurrection, friends, has once and for all done away with ultimate, complete sorrow. Never again can people ever say that they can get into a situation where there's absolutely no hope, nothing to live for. Ultimate sorrow has been done away with. Not that we can't get sad in, in different situations, but you, I trust that you hear what the Bible is saying at this point. Never again can we come to a point where we can say there is no joy ever, nothing we can find that is good to rejoice in. Because there is a new joy that has been made possible, a joy that is incomprehensible, inexplicable, unstoppable, even impossible to quench. And that is why when Paul, the Apostle Paul, is speaking to persecuted Disciples, followers of Jesus around, he's saying to them, I tell you, rejoice always in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. That's what he's saying right here. That is personal. It comes to each of us and all of us. 
And I want us to not know to not miss that. What he's pointing to here is what we hear when the resurrected Lord is stopping uh, John, John, uh, the apostle John, and tell him to write down what you hear. John is sitting on a Patmos, on an island called Patmos, and he is there in captivity, and the resurrected Lord shows up and says this to him, write down. And here's some of what he wrote down. He says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, and it said, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Paul says that applies to all those who believe that Jesus is Lord will call him that and confess him that and then who believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead. If you have your text, you'll see that very thing. That's what that is, but it, it moves forward. It continues to speak in the next verse, verse 11, you'll see that resurrection also has a way of confronting and, and pushing away and defeating disbelief. They came and told the disciples they did not believe them we just read you know as long as Jesus was dead it's easy and there's all kinds of reason to have disbelief to doubt it's one thing when someone says I want to I'm going to rise from the dead it's quite another thing when he does and so If we had just believed that Jesus came to earth to die, skeptics and skepticism and doubt would have an easy play. If we had celebrated a dead Savior who lived long ago and had some good ideas to kind of share and we still kind of contemplated those, skepticism would have won the day. But we... Do not worship someone who lived once upon a time. We celebrate and worship the one who conquered death and who lives today and who is here with us. Resurrection, therefore, has put a stop to that kind of ultimate disbelief. I think sometimes when, when people uh, struggle with, with disbelief or, or various kinds of things of that nature, it's often because their faith is still hidden in the tomb. There's no daily walk with the living Savior. There's no daily celebration of the power that comes from, from resurrection. And so there's an easy play. And I, I'm sure you're thinking, ah, I still have doubt. Well, I do. But we're not talking about these, these moments where, where we have some kind of spiritual consternation, to, to say it that way, or, or moments where, where we get conflicts in our intellectual thinking, or, or where we're struggling through various kinds of thought that may come our way. That happens. But have you ever thought when doubt is creeping up to begin to doubt your doubt? Or when questions come that are hard to answer, what about questioning your questions? 
Or when skepticism seems to win the day, have you ever been skeptic toward your skepticism? I think the point that is being made right here is that if we live daily in a walk with the risen Lord, there is a defeat, a pushing back of disbelief. Text continues, so powerful, just pointing to all these, these effects of resurrection. Even when it confronts loneliness, look at this. People are lonely like never before. If COVID has done one thing to us, it has made us lonely. We have greater issues of, of loneliness and mental health than ever. When the Beatles sang, you know, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? Here they were pointing to something very, very real. And here's the story. You can read about it in much fuller details in Luke chapter 24. Here's just reference. Two people walking to Emos, a little town. They walk quietly. They don't talk much. Loneliness is pressing in. It's not so much that they don't have each other to, to talk to. It's not so much that they don't carry somewhat the same burden. But it is as if someone has just disappeared. Someone had abandoned them. Someone that used to be with them. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? I think we all know that feeling. Jesus had left them, and we have all, I've felt that sometimes, times when, when, when God and everybody seems to be distant. Yes? Loneliness can be heavy. But again, it is in the midst of this very reality that the power of resurrection breaks through and fellowship begins to rise up among these people. Jesus comes to them on the road where they are walking and reveals himself to them exactly in the way that they needed for him to do so. Resurrection had defeated ultimate loneliness. Not that we can't experience loneliness at points, but the ultimate loneliness is gone. And, and millions and millions of Christians around the globe, even on a morning like this, will get together to say, that's my testimony too. The resurrected Lord shows up when we need for him to do so. We could give so many examples of this, but let me just give you a brief kind of biblical example. Then the, the first deacon uh, that we have in the first uh, church in, in Scripture, Stephen is, is there, and, and he is all alone, and he is, he is being a stone, and they had attacked him and assaulted him, and he is there all alone as the stones are kind of crushing him down and he looks up to heaven and says, I need to see God and he sees the resurrected Lord standing at the right hand of the Father right as he needed it at this moment. Paul 
who was one of these violent men and persecuted the early Christians, nothing could stop him except an encounter with the risen Lord. And what happened? Right as he was on his way out to to kill and to mar the Christians as he could find them everywhere, the resurrected Lord stopped him in his tracks. And not only did he speak and stop what he was doing, it changed him completely. Resurrection has a way of defeating loneliness. That's the promise. As people gather around the resurrected one, and they gather around what we have as a church, there should be no room for loneliness in this place. That's also why Scripture does not hesitate to call him Emmanuel, God with us. Is he not the one you want to meet? If you live in the world, if you have real lives, see neighbors, see friends, see what's going on among young people and more mature people and old people and all people, this speaks to all of this. You know, see, if doubt, if doubt had made the disciples' faith as dead as they thought Jesus was, the resurrection changes all of that. He has conquered death and he will meet everyone who seeks to come to know the resurrected one. And he comes with that kind of power. Let me round this up, friends, by a brief word at the end. We didn't read from this, but you see it right here. We read verse 15, and it says here, he then said to them, go into all the world. As I mentioned already, that was the point. We're here today because of that power. Are we hearing this? Jesus prayed. You can read about it in chapter 17 of John if you're interested to know more. He prayed not only for his disciples as they were going out. He said, I pray for those who come to faith through your testimony. When you talk to them about who I am and my resurrection, they will come to faith. Even as far away as Louisville, Texas, someplace over on another planet almost. Yes? And in 2023, they will sit in a church and celebrate because you were faithful. I already prayed for them. Are we hearing this? If you are doubting, questioning, not really sure, Jesus prayed for you already. And why is that? This is because of this, verse 20 that we didn't read, the very last verse in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, it it goes like this. And they went out, talking about these disciples, 
and preach everywhere. And the Lord worked with them. The Lord worked with them. There's an interesting detail. I think we, we're, you're likely to miss most people, but it's, it's not something you see by just reading scripture text. But we all know that, that Peter was kind of the personification of faith, yes? He was the bold one, the outspoken one. Whenever there was someone that needed to say a word about faith, Peter spoke, yes? And then we have another one, his name was Thomas, that he kind of got known for being the doubtful one. We even have the phrase of doubting Thomas. And here's the intriguing part, just a little detail. Peter speaks up all the time, but when, when the voice of doubt shows up, when Thomas speaks, Peter goes silent. Friends, that's how it very often works. When the voice of doubt is getting the upper hand over the voice of faith. You're losing the focus on the resurrection power. That is true. It was true then, and it's true now. May I call you to faith, friends? There's some here who needs to come to faith for the first time. There may be some of you in the car. If that is you getting there, I mean, in, in, at home, maybe you're sitting in a car. Get yourself in the car, drive down here. We would love to pray for you. Just give us a call, if nothing else. There might be some here that say, I need this. My life is characterized by some of the very things that we talked about that resurrection has defeated. Others of you are in this position where you think, I, I need, I need to just talk to someone or even just directly to God I've come to the place where the disciples were where where my faith is as dead as they thought Jesus is whatever it is God is speaking to you about or even just say hey I want to know more I just need to pray let's spend this moment doing this friends this is Easter morning 2023 you're here Because God wanted to speak to you. Yes? Can we stand? Maybe you need to grab someone's hand. It's not always easy just to come and ask for prayer or even just to kneel. But spend this moment. For some of you, Easter is is what we always do. For some of you, church is not part of your customary week. But let's speak to God right now.